Welcome to AMBO TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss those sermons right here in studio. I'm Dean, hashtag my hair color changes like you change your socks, Windsor. And today it's going to be a great day. We have three awesome sermons coming to you from Georgia and New York. And first up is Pastor Jordan Poole from Hope Church in Warner Robins, Georgia. As always, and his sermon is titled The Goat and goat as in G-O-A-T, also referred to as the greatest of all time. Pastor Poole wants to turn us into goats for the kingdom of God. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. He's giving some powerful advice on how to do it. So stick around, but only if you want to be great. Just let me be great. Jay-Z, there you go. Next, we head to Forsyth, Georgia with Pastor Chris Emmett at Mountain Lake Church. And his message is titled, Rejoice and Remember. He's finishing a sermon series called Meaningless, where he's preaching on how to not fall into a meaningless life. This week, he's teaching on how we must learn to rejoice and remember what God has done for us. I know what he's done for me. Look at where I'm standing right now. This is going to be great, like always. Lastly, we go to Northridge Church in Rochester, New York, with Pastor Mark Nelson in a message called Child's Play, which is part of their sermon series called Verified. This week, he's using the metaphor of the family to describe how we should act and look as followers of Christ. You'll definitely find this helpful. Then I'll be joined via Skype by a very special guest, Pastor Corey Demmel from our partnering church, Cape Christian. We always love his messages. He's been featured on the show a lot. Gonna love to have him as a guest. And we're gonna get right back to Pastor Corey, but let's go right to Hope Church with Pastor Jordan Poole. Um, that's why I wore my special jersey today because I just wanted to end the debate that the GOAT I see people disagree with me. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to get into a sports debate right now. But the GOAT, the greatest of all time, that's what people refer to when they say an athlete or a person is the greatest of all time. The GOAT. The GOAT. Somebody say the GOAT. The GOAT. And as I was preparing for this message, that title hit me. I was reading Mark 10, and I was like, oh, yeah, we, get, we need to talk about what, what true greatness is, biblically speaking, because there's a world way, and then there's God's kingdom way of what greatness really is. And so um, I have a question. It's a question that actually it's one question, but it has two lanes in which you can answer it. Um, call it my opening, opening argument um, where if I ask this question, there are two lanes you can answer it. And my argument is the way you answer one lane will simultaneously answer the other one. And so the question, the question really comes down to, is, is very simple, is how bad do you want it? That's the question. How bad do you want it? Now, first lane when I ask that question is, how bad do you want it? What I'm referring to when I say it in that way is, how bad do you want to achieve and accomplish and be successful in the purpose of God for which he put you on the earth to do? How bad do you want it? The other lane, though, uh, I would ask the question, how bad do you want it? Referencing how bad do you want to be trained, led, coached, equipped, and held accountable to? See the argument? When I, my argument is the way you answer one will simultaneously answer the other. The other. Because when I look throughout the history of sports, if we're just using the sports analogy right now, when I look throughout the history of sports, across any sport, any sport, I don't care what sport it is, hockey, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever it is, whatever sport that a player can win the MVP trophy or award in, the most valuable player, look at your neighbor and say, you're the real MVP. 
they need to be encouraged today. Any sport that there has been an MVP trophy given, every one of those award winners have had one single thing in common. No matter what sport they played, no matter what year they played it in, anybody who won that always had one thing in common. In that, they all had a coach. Because to win the MVP award uh, for the, that season in your sport was to say, you're the, you are the greatest right now. You are the greatest in the league. You are the greatest this season. You did ex- extraordinary, phenomenal things. And every, I don't care if it's an individual sport or a team sport, that person who won that award has a coach, someone that they were submitting to that was saying, you can push here, you can get better here, you can sharpen here. Oh, you did that really well. I'm telling you, you got greatness in you. They had a coach that was pulling greatness out of them. LeBron James, you might have heard this report that, that even last year and even into this year and I believe throughout his whole career, uh, that, that he has paid over $1 million each season for a trainer. Yeah, let that sink in. $1 million for somebody to tell him, you need to fix your jump shot. Hey, you, you need to work on your body this way. Hey, we need to do this type of weightlifting. This is what's going to get you prepared for the, 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 the deep part of the NBA season. LeBron James, who I know some of you probably shaking your head. Yeah, he's the real goat. I know. I, I hear your argument. You would probably say that. Is, is he is paying somebody to help make him better. One million dollars. If he went on a flight to China to do a Nike rep thing, he would take his trainer with him. He would take him wherever he went so that he could, he could have somebody constantly sharpening and, and retooling and, and reconfiguring the gift he knew he had, but he knew he could not achieve that greatness all by himself. We talk about men like Michael Jordan, who, who's, who, who's, who's my argument, the greatest of all time, and he had a coach himself that would tell him what time to be at the gym. Here's what drills we're going to do. Here's how you need to do this. Here's the weights we're going to lift. Here's your diet. Here's what you need to be putting into your body to prepare you, to give you enough energy to get on the court and play. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, these men at the highest peaks of their game still have somebody telling them, hey, you can push. Hey, there's more in you. There's more, there's greatness in you. Pastor Jordan Poole bringing the heat today, which, and I agree with him, Jordan is the greatest of all time, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, Pastor Corey Demmel, thank you so much for being here today, man. We, we, we really appreciate having you. Yeah, thanks, Dean, for having me. It's such a joy to be here with you guys today. All right, awesome. So I want to dive right into this. Um, you know, Pastor Jordan Poole has such a great talent for making his sermons relatable. And I'm really feeling the sports theme he's got going on here. Um, So now when he's talking about coaching and the importance of having a coach spiritually and and on our faith walk, is he's talking about a pastor or a mentor or the Holy Spirit coaching us or, or is it like a mix of all three? Yeah, I think it's a mix of all three, but uh, I think really what he's talking about is seeking out somebody in your life that will, what the Bible says, speak the truth in love. Uh, somebody who can point things out, who will say the hard things that maybe no one else is willing to say, but everyone kind of sees. And that can be practically, it can be spiritually, it can be emotionally. And I, I personally love this message, Dean, because, man, if this is if there's one reason I am where I am, it's probably because I was just courageous or 
crazy enough to let guys speak really hard truths into my life. And I think everybody needs somebody to help point out things we just can't see in ourselves. Yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't in, it, it, I think it was in my late 20s when I finally discovered the importance of a mentor and, and somebody to really, you know, break down this whole life journey thing to you, where, you know, f when it pertains to faith and also career and, and everything else. You know, it's something that people tend to overlook a lot it is the importance of having a mentor, whether it be from the church or from, you know, the, your own family. So how would somebody go about seeking a kind of a spiritual mentor or, or a faith mentor? That's a great question. I get that a lot. Uh, I get asked that a lot. And of course, there's all the people in the world you can reach out via Twitter. But really, I believe that it starts with the simple principle of stewardship, that God has put somebody in all of our lives within close enough proximity that we can reach out and say, hey, will you coach me? Will you mentor me? Will you say the things that I need to hear that maybe no one else will? And I, I really believe that if we seek that out, there are a lot of great leaders that would love to do that. They just need to be given full permission to, to have what I call the all access pass. Like I give people an all access pass in my life where it's backstage, all the stuff. And I really believe that as you start that as a principle in your life, as you steward that opportunity, God will continue to bring people that will continue to coach you as you grow. But I think you got to take the first step and just make the ask. All right. I love it. There's Pastor, Pastor Corey Demmel letting you know, just make the ask. And uh, we're going to be right back with more Pastor Corey Demmel and more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were listening to Pastor Jordan Poole in Warner Robins, Georgia. But right now, I want to get to Pastor Chris Emmett in Forsyth. Let's go ahead and check him out. Now, verses 3 through 5, Solomon gives a very graphic description of the physical body getting old. I realize that there are kids here in this room. So to help you avoid an awkward conversation at lunch, we're going to jump to verse 6. Some of you want to know what verse 3 through 5 says, don't you? And go read your Bible. All right, verse 6. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So Kevin has these two big ideas, rejoicing and remembering, rejoicing and remembering. And I, I'll just phrase it for you this way. It says to rejoice in the life that you have and remember the one who gave it to you. Rejoice in the life you have. He goes both young and old, rejoice in your life. Enjoy every minute of it. And he goes both young and old, remember your creator, remember the one who gave it to you. Rejoice in the life you have. Remember the one who gave it to you. Let's just, I want to talk about those two big ideas for, for just a second when it comes to your life. And I want you to go back and I want you to look at verse 9, chapter 11, verse 9. He says, young people, it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in, but remember that you must give an account to God for everything that you do. So to both young and old, his first and foremost, he goes, to rejoice in the life that you have. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, the Apostle Paul would say this, 
Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Because I think Solomon and the Apostle Paul knew what we all know today. And that life will give you plenty of opportunities to cry, to be angry, to hurt, to feel pain, and to complain about all the things in life. Life will give you many opportunities like that. But what Solomon is saying and what Paul is saying to to us today is those things are going to happen, but first and foremost, to rejoice in the life that you have. God has given you a life. Wealthy, poor, famous, not famous. Solomon goes, you have a life that's been given to you by the creator of the heavens and the earth. He goes, rejoice in those meaningful moments. When God takes the meaningless, the, 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 the meaninglessness of your life and turns it to meaningful, when he takes things that feel pointless and gives them purpose, he goes to rejoice in that. Paul says it grows your faith when you do that. It takes no leadership or self-discipline to complain. Complaining is super easy and doesn't accomplish a whole lot. Nobody gets inspired because they complained. Oh, man, I, man, I, I admire them. Why? Because they complain about everything. What? Oh, man, they are the best complainers I've ever met. Any ailment, any issue, any concern, they are the first to complain about, and it's inspiring. No, it's irritating. He goes, rejoice. Yeah, life is going to throw you some bad things. It's not going to go the way you want. If you're a perfectionist, you just got to realize life isn't perfect. It's never going to be hitting on all eight cylinders all the time, every day for the rest of your life. There are going to be some issues. But the the things in your life, look and find ways to rejoice. All right, Pastor Chris Emmett, breaking it down for us about the whole joys of complaining that people seem to get into. And I mean, it completely and totally reminds me, you know, of the story of Moses leaving or leading his people out of Egypt. And and we know what happened from their constant complaining. So, um, Pastor, I, I just need to ask you, is there any pointers that you have for us to kind of avoid that whole woe is me trap that we seem to get stuck in sometimes? It's definitely tough because we live in a time with social media and the internet where I literally have access to compare everybody else's highlight reel to my everyday life. And that's the danger of of social media. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it it quickly can lead to comparison and it can lead to just complaining. Um, Practically, man, this is a tough one. I think that just requires intentionality of really focusing on what's what you do have, um, you know, counting your joys, your blessing. I think you have to have something in your head or in your heart that says, I'm going to be intentional about looking at the blessings that God's given me. I'm going to be intentional about being thankful for what I do have. Um, you know, it's interesting. One of the things that we see with David often is he was kind of complaining or unhappy about things, but he always changed his perspective. This whole conversation is about a perspective shift. And it's something that I pray for. Often I say, God, help me to see things the way you see them, not the way I see them or the world around me sees them. And what I have learned is that God often wants to change our perspective before he ever changes our circumstances. All right. I love that is actually a really, really good explanation of how to kind of handle the whole, you know, woe is me thing, because we do get sucked into it. And, and, you know, we have to leave it to God to help us walk kind of through it, through the muck, because we're always in the muck as Christians, and I think we should be kind of prepared for it. Uh, we're going to go ahead, we're going to get back 
to Pastor Chris Emmett in a little bit, but right now I want to check with Pastor Mark Nelson at Northridge Church. Let's go ahead and check him out. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. And so the first sign of life that John gives us is kind of the eye test. You can tell just by looking, you could say. In family language, we would say it this way. You bear a family resemblance. You bear a family resemblance. I, I was a, a youth pastor um, for many years before becoming a campus pastor, and I remember, man, I could have a, a whole crowd of teenagers gathered together in a room along with their parents, and you could tell just by looking, because of the amazing resemblance of teenagers and their parents, you know, kind of who belonged with who. Uh, teenagers were often embarrassed by it. Parents sometimes wanted to disown their teenagers. But the fact of the matter remained, like, there was no denying that, like, this kid was that dad's daughter and that kid was that mom's son and so on because there was an unmistakable family resemblance. And that is exactly what John is saying is also true of the family of God, that Christians essentially look a lot like their dad, our heavenly father, um, that we as members of the family of God share some spiritual traits, some family of God traits. And in, in verse 10, he mentions two of them specifically. And these two traits, he says, distinguish for us who is a child of God and who is a child of the devil. And these two traits are consistent obedience to God and love for other believers. Consistent obedience to God, love for other believers. And he really seems to focus in on obedience to God in this section, and then in the next one, he'll look at love for other Christians. And so let's look at obedience first. Obedience is how we display our love for God. It's kind of God's love language, you could say. And John says that the child of God consistently does what is right, or they, they can't continue to sin. They can't go on sinning. So the challenge here this morning is that if you're a person who has simply settled in to some kind of sinful lifestyle with absolutely no conviction of heart and no thought of stopping that sinful practice and turning away from it, then John doesn't have any encouragement for you today that you should consider yourself a child of God. I've encountered some Christians that seem to be brazen or bold in their attitude about practicing behaviors that God clearly tells us to avoid. As if to say, hey, don't lump me in with those other Christians who are all uptight about obeying God. I'm reminded of a line of, of t-shirts and novelty items with the slogan on them, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. And I suppose that's meant to be kind of humorous and provocative, but if it's meant to be funny, I'm not sure Jesus is laughing because to flaunt sin or to trivialize sin is not the attitude of someone who's been born of God. It's one thing to recognize that you struggle in a certain area, that you struggle, for example, to honor God with your words, but it's quite another to broadcast on a t-shirt that you're quite proud of yourself for it. And as we've seen in the first two chapters of John's letter, he knows full well that a Christian is going to sin, but he also knows that someone who sins consistently, or worse yet, is proud of their sin, is not actually a child of God at all, but, in, but an imposter. I love how John Stott once said it. He said, sin and the child of God are incompatible. They may occasionally meet, but they cannot live together in harmony. That's what John's saying. 
All right, Pastor Mark, kind of this one hit differently for me because I do struggle with a lot of things. And 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 the fact that he's saying, you know, a child of God and and sin can't live basically in, in harmony, it's it's true to, you know, a, a large extent because if you're constantly, you know, struggling with sin, it, your life will be unstable. Is that kind of what he's getting at here? Is that the point he's trying to drive home? Yeah, I, I think he's speaking to the heart even maybe more than the action. You know, obviously we all struggle. Anybody who doesn't, is, I think, is deceiving themselves. And and what he's talking about is, are we in a place in our heart that we want to continue to live the same way and we want to get away with the same things? Or is there something in me that's going, gosh, I want to be better. And I really believe that the more that God reveals his love to us, the less we are uh, apt to take advantage of it and more to want to be more like him. And so um, I think he's he's talking about what it looks like to be somebody who's God's child. Um, but he, it, it's when we struggle, I think it's as much as on us to look at what is my heart response? Because we all blow it all the time. But when I blow it, am I willing to to get better, to own it, to say, God, help me get better? Or do I just kind of want to have this area of my life that I'm still in control of, I don't let go of, and God can't really tell me what to do? And I think it's really, it's hard to, to, to judge someone else because only we can see our own heart when it comes to this sin. But I do like the idea of the resemblance side of, you know, we should probably bear more the image of our heavenly father than maybe our old fleshly ways. I think that's really what he's getting at there, Dean. Okay, good. Yeah, because I don't want anybody at home freaking out and thinking because they cursed once or twice over the weekend that they may be a child of the devil. We had to really thank you for breaking that down for us and the people at home. Uh, we're going to be right back with uh, more Ambo TV. Stick around. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Mark Nelson, but right now I want to get back to Pastor Jordan Poole in Warner Robins, Georgia. Let's go ahead and get back to him. People who are whatever people, whatever people, whatever you need me to do, whatever, whatever. When you go to your job, you're a whatever person. I believe living out Colossians 3.23 is the key and a key for kingdom of God people to enter into promotions, to be the ones that stand out. You're supposed to stand out in business. You're supposed to be different. You're, supposed, you're not supposed to be the same. No, you are, you are uniquely crafted as a, as a carrier of the kingdom of God that where I, wherever I go, that's where hope is. That's where the kingdom is. Where, wherever my foot is, I'm establishing the kingdom here. So whatever I do needs to reflect who I say I'm under. You get this? Whatever, whatever attitude, a whatever attitude will change a marriage. A whatever attitude will change a household. A whatever attitude, it'll change a whole office. A whatever attitude will change a school. You want your marriage to get better? Serve each other. You want your office to have a better environment? Serve somebody. Watch what start taking place. You want your schools to be a place where, where, where the attitude is one of respect and one of honor and not one of filming teachers getting punched by students? <laughs> Serve it. Whatever you do, whatever means whatever. 
do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Keep it on verse 23. As to the Lord and not to men. So we have to get the direction right. In other words, it's motive and manifestation. When I get the motive right, the manifestation is right. So when my motive for serving is to bring honor and glory and to reflect the heart of my Father, the manifestation will be pure. There's some people who do things for impure motives and it comes across, you can tell it. I got to get the motive right. Why am I doing this? I'm doing it as unto God. I'm doing it as unto the Lord, not as unto men. You know what happens when you do it as unto men? Two things happen. You, will, you won't serve well and you won't serve long. When you're doing it for man, when you do it because somebody just asked you to, and you do it because it's a man, and you're like, well, I don't know what they're going to think about me if I say no. You're, doing, you're not doing it as unto the Lord. You have entered into doing it for the wrong motive. And when you do it for that reason, you will not do it well and you won't do it long. But when I get this in me, when I get this in me, and the parking lot leader comes to me and says, I, we need you in the parking lot, man. It's a great place. I know people can park themselves, and people can park themselves at the mall, and they do it all the time. But when they come down Russell or when they come down I-75 and they pull on this place, they need to know they did not just enter into some random parking lot. They have entered into the kingdom of God, and we are the people of God. And so when they come and ask you, and when we ask you to step up on growth track and serve, and when we ask you to join a team, it's not called volunteerism. You have just lowered the, the, the power of it. It's not volunteering. It's you qualifying as being a recipient of your inheritance. Pastor Jordan Poole bringing the energy as usual. So, uh, Pastor Corey, I was called a people pleaser at a former company I worked at by, you know, uh, the VP of the company. And, um, and, and it was a thing, you know, it, it was a kind of a bad thing. I burned out so quickly because I was always just trying to please everyone at my job and everyone in the office. So is that kind of what Pastor uh, Poole is alluding to here? Is like you should be doing things more because Jesus would be happy for it, not because it's going to make these people happy. That's exactly what he's talking about. Uh, and I love the way he framed it, but he's talking about the what and the why. Uh, the what is doing the right thing things, you know, and I think a lot of us get that, but the why is kind of the secret. It's the, it's the motive behind it. Am I doing this to get noticed by the VP or get a promotion? Or am I doing it just because God said to do everything and I'm, I'm approved by him? Um, this is something that I, I relate to. I struggled with in, in my uh, growing up big time as well. And, and I think for a lot of people, it stems from a lack of understanding of just how much God loves you and that you're already okay with him. And, and when we don't understand that from God, we have a tendency to go outside of that and try to find it and kind of feed it from other people. But yeah, absolutely. He's talking about that your what can look really good, but really only you know the why. And again, it just it requires us to be really honest with ourselves about what's driving uh, our good deeds, really. Yeah, I mean, that's like a really good point because it, it does have a lot to do with just that wanting to be accepted and wanting to be liked. And, and when you know you're accepted and loved by God, then... All of that is just kind of a byproduct. You really don't, it doesn't matter to you. You're not really striving for anyone's approval or, or anyone's, you know, affection that, that doesn't, 
deserve it, you know? Uh, so totally. have you ever found yourself in a position where you were kind of doing the, you know, the right things, but for the wrong reason? Honestly, that's the story of the first 25 years of my life. I was a <laughs> kid. I was the boss's kid. I was the coach's kid. I was an okay. only child. Or I mean, the oldest child. I was really good at doing the right things and following the rules. But it was honestly, it was all about the approval of men. I was addicted to approval. And the reality, I'll just be really transparent, Dean. For the first 25 years of my life, I wanted to be anybody other than who I was. And it took a revelation of just how much God loved me that I still do the same things now, but I'm approved by God. And so it looks so different. And to be honest, if I can just plug shamelessly something I read, Pastor Timothy Keller, his book, Prodigal God, uh, out in New York City, wrecked my world because he talks about the older brother who does the right things for the wrong reasons. And his sin is exactly the same. And his lostness is exactly the same as the, the younger brother who ran and, and you know, squelched it, squelched it all away. Like that really helped shape that for me. And so if that's something you, you know people are watching struggle with, I would totally recommend that book. Amazing. Thank you so much, Pastor Corey. I mean, I love when our pastors share their faith walks with us. Uh, we're we're going to go ahead and jump right back to Pastor Mark Nelson and let him wrap up his sermon. Let's check him out. You know, we, when we know that our Father loves us, it completely revolutionizes our life. It means everything when we're certain of our Father's love. When I was a freshman in college, my dad wrote me a letter. Um, it was a handwritten, two-page letter, the kind of letter that you keep. And he, you know, growing up, I, I sometimes felt like a disappointment to my dad because I didn't always share in his interests. And I think my dad sensed that I sometimes felt that way. And so he wrote me this, this letter to apologize, essentially, if he had ever made me feel that way, and then to confirm his absolute love and unconditional acceptance of me as his son. And don't you know that that letter changed my life? It meant the world to me because this was my dad confirming his love for me. And I was able then to move forward in life with confidence and stability and pursue all that God had for my life. Do you realize today that your father God has written you that letter, that one of total acceptance and complete affirmation? Even if your own earthly father's acceptance of you isn't all that it should be, you can still know today that you have a father who completely accepts you through his son, Jesus Christ. And many of us, I think, today need to lower the volume of condemnation and raise the volume of the gospel because the truth is that God's acceptance of you is greater than your condemnation of yourself. His acceptance of you today is so much greater than your condemnation of yourself. And unfortunately, most of us really struggle to grasp this. We tend to believe that God accepts us or rejects us based on our own behavior or ability to perform. But that's not what loving parents do. That's not what loving parents have ever done. Good parents don't withhold their acceptance from their, uh, of their children until their children prove they're worthy of it. As a dad, I would never reject one of my daughters because of an offense by one of them against me. They'll always be my daughters. And that's the certainty we can have about our place in God's family, that once we're God's child, we're always God's child. It can't be undone because nothing that you did had any power to cause you to be God's child. Becoming God's child had nothing to do with your behavior, and nothing you could ever do has the power to undo that relationship. It's entirely based today on Christ's finished work on the cross, and it is finished. 
And how can we have this confidence? How do we know that we're part of God's family and that he won't reject us? Well, in verse 24, John says, we know it by the spirit he gave us. Did you know that the spirit today, the spirit of God has been given to you as a gift? He's fully yours if you've put your faith in Christ. He wasn't lent to you for a little while and you have to give him back. And God isn't a stingy giver either. He gives you his spirit just like he pays for your sins. He does it in full. It's a complete gift. It's so vital today that we understand that the spirit is a permanent resident, not a visiting guest. He's a permanent resident. John says he lives in us. All right, so Pastor Mark was mentioning here how once we're God's children, we remain so. So, you know, does that mean that we're free to do whatever we want, or does this carry some responsibility with it? Well, crazy question, because kind of both. I mean, we have free will, so we're free to do what we want, but it does carry responsibility as well. And I think the best picture is, is marriage. There's this idea of, well, once I have Jesus, I can do whatever I want because he has to, to love me forever. Well, that's true. But if we understand our side of it, when I got married and said I do to my wife over 14 years ago, I didn't in my mind think, wow, she married me. She said for better or worse, now I can go look at girls and be with whoever I want. And she has to take me back because if that's the case, I'm the most selfish, just scumbag. No, it's the opposite. When you really love somebody and they commit themselves to you, you want to honor them. You want to um, love them more. And so rather than it be a license to do what we want, if we truly understand and discover the love of Christ, it doesn't give us this like get out of jail free, do whatever I want card. It actually compels us to be more like him, in my opinion. Beautiful. I love it. Yes. Remember, people, there is no get out of jail free card. It doesn't work like that. That's not how we do things here. Uh, we're going to be back with more Pastor Corey Demel and more Ambo TV. Back to Ambo TV, home of the next generation pastors. We're going to go ahead and jump right to Forsyth, Georgia, and Pastor Chris Emmett and let him wrap up his sermon. He says, Yes, remember your Creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Well, what he's saying is, Remember your Creator now. Not tomorrow. Not next week, not next year, not next time you get a raise, not next time your kids do something great, not next time you go on a date with them. Now, to remember your creator now. And if you're like me and you're wired like you're a type A driven personality, this is a difficult thing to apply in your life. I'm a, I'm a guy going, man, thank you, Jesus, appreciate you delivering, but I'm on to the next thing. I'm on to the next opportunity, I'm on to the next issue, I gotta tackle the next problem, I gotta solve. And it, and it takes self-discipline going, no, remember your creator now. Not next week, not next year, not next time it comes around. But now look back going, oh, God is faithful. God does heal. God does restore. God does answer prayer. Because to remember your creator now before it is too late. And it's almost like Solomon was writing in the year 2019. Remember him now before another thing is put on your schedule. Remember him now before another thing takes your energy. Remember him now before another thing takes up that valuable space in your brain. Remember him now. 
Because I think for many of us, it's easy to forget to remember. It's easy to forget to remember the creator, the one who holds all things and takes meaning less and makes it meaningful. And what's interesting choice about that word, remember, if you really look at in the word that he used in remember, it means to remember, but with the intent to obey. So it's not just remember and think about, oh, that's great. It's to remember with the intent to obey. It's to go back and go, oh, he's been faithful, so I'm going to continue to follow him. Oh, he's healed before, he's delivered before, so I'm going to continue to walk in faith and obedience to him. But to remember him now before it is too late because it is so easy to forget to remember. And you get out of the habit you get out of remembering all that God has done and on to the next thing. That's why Solomon's going, no, 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 no. Rejoice in the life you have, but do not forget the one who gave it to you. Last week, again, back to school with David. David's doing some math homework, fourth grade math homework with Brianna, of course. And um, they're at the table, and Brianna goes, hey, I need you to help David with something. I got to go do something else. And, and I go, what are we doing? She goes, we're doing subtraction. I was like, okay, awesome. I got this. And it's, she goes, where you got to, uh, to borrow, carry, Bar- carry, borrow, borrow. You know where you take one over? You don't even know either. All right, so <laughs> it's fourth grade math. She goes, where are you going to borrow it? And I was like, oh, yeah, I got this. So, you know, it's like 898 minus, you know, 104 or whatever, something like that. So I'm up there, and I'm showing David. It's like, oh, yeah, you just cross this out, and you put it over here. And he goes, why? I don't know. It's what you do. I, I don't need this. <laughs> Borrow it. Just move it over. Just all you got to say, not that hard. Just, so I started doing all this math and figured it out, and I got the answer. Now, I'm a full-grown man. And I did the math, and David's watching me, and I go, here's the answer. And you're going, something's not right. You ever had that feeling? Like, I'm, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Like, I've never, you know, thought that, but I'm going, I don't think this is right, but maybe, maybe it is. And so I was like, there it is. Circle the answer. And Brianna's there, and she goes, seriously? I was like, and I was like, oh, I was off by like a whole hundred. Like I completely forgot to borrow one. I stole it instead of borrowing it apparently. Whatever, I don't know what I did. And David looks at me, and he kind of like that, that look of shame, but also a little pride in him. And he looks at Brianna, and he goes, yeah, I think Dad just uses a calculator all the time. And I was like, yes, and I do. It's been like 30 years, son, since I tried to figure this out. It's been a minute since I remembered how to do this. And I think it's easy for that to happen in our life with with God and the things in his. Man, he's delivered, he's responded, he's restored things, and it's been a minute. It's been a year, it's been two years, it's been three years, it's been five years. Oh, I know I need to get back in church. Oh, I need to, no, I need to stop and remember the things of God, but I'm on to the next thing. That's why he goes, remember your creator now. Today, right now, not tomorrow, not next week, but now. When the creator of the universe, who spoke things into existence, the creator of the sun and the moon and the stars, when he takes your life that lacks meaning and lacks purpose, and in his sovereignty instills purpose and meaning into your life, your friendships, your money, the seasons you're going through, those things, how arrogant of us to stop and to fail and to remember and to thank the creator of the universe who's done that on our behalf. There is a God of the universe, and it's not you. 
There is a God of the universe, and it's not me. The God of the universe who spoke all things into existence takes meaning less, turns it into meaning full, and we go, eh, uh, yeah, I know, but I just, you know, I'm going on to the next thing. That's why Solomon's going, no, 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 no. I'm the king of the land. I've got more money, more power, more opportunities, more fame. I've got more than anybody else on earth. And I'm here to tell you, remember the one who gave it to you. So if God has blessed, if God is taking the meaningless, pointless things in your life and giving them purpose and meaning, stop and remember the one who did. So here's where the rubber meets the road on all this. Here's what you do this week with all this. Simply find reasons to rejoice and find ways to remember. Find reasons to rejoice and find ways to remember. So this week, starting this afternoon here at lunch, just say, Lord, for the next seven days, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, let me find reasons to rejoice in my life. All right, so this is a common theme we see here on AMBO, and that's, you know, people forgetting to remember about God and, and you know, forgetting to pray or, or forgetting to just it stop and, and just, you know, have that moment of reflection with God. And <clears throat> we've discussed how it's the distractions of social media or, you know, football seasons come up and you got to make your bracket or, you know, whatever the case may be. Or maybe you're a teenager and, and you know, you got to get ready for baseball camp, whatever it is, we tend to forget. So Pastor Chris Emmett gave us, you know, uh, a method. Uh, do you have any methods for us to just kind of, you know, get back into that groove of remembering God and thinking on God? Yeah, again, I think it's it's a tough struggle because we're such a culture of living in the here and now. Mm. Um, and so it, it, we can easily forget what happened yesterday. Um, a couple things, and, and really this boils down, Dean, to a word that we don't love to talk about, we don't hear about as much, but it's discipline. Mm. Uh, it's just the discipline of making yourself do things that are important, whether you feel like it or not. And so I think a couple of them is just cutting out a few segments a day, two to five minutes, just to reflect at lunchtime, at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, and and focusing on things that God has done and remembering. Um, another one that I think is really important, if you can take a few, a few minutes in the morning and not just pray, but if you would journal, and I started this a while ago and I'm the worst journaler ever, so I feel like if I can do it, anybody can do it. What it allows me to do is, is focus my prayers and do even a gratitude journal of every morning, a few things I'm grateful for, and then what I'm praying for. And if you can make a habit of looking back, like every three to six months, go, what are the things I was thankful for? What are the things I was praying for? It kind of helps you remember because ironically enough, the word remember shows up a ton in the Old Testament because I believe God knows that because of sin, we're master forgetters. And so he's always reminding us. And so for me, what journaling does is it, it makes me focus. The discipline of journaling and praying in the morning makes me focus and, and thinking about the things that are important. But also it gives me something to look back on so that I can go, wow, I, I kind of had forgotten God had done all those things or I had forgotten that had happened. And that is really encouraging when I when I make myself do that. But again, it goes back to discipline. Yes, fantastic idea. Journaling. Thank you so much, Pastor. I think that's a great idea. And if you find yourself kind of forgetting to remember God, Pull out that journal and start writing stuff down. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. And if you're not sure today as a Christian that God is with you, within you at all times and to the fullest extent, 
then like that dating relationship, you're bound to have a very unstable Christian experience. But knowing that God is always with you provides the greatest levels of confidence and stability in your life. All right, there's Pastor Mark Nelson closing out the show. And as we do at the end of every episode, I like to ask our guest, which is Pastor Corey, um, do you have a sermon or not a sermon, but a scripture or a passage from the Bible that you can share with us that kind of links to that message that Pastor Mark Nelson was trying to give us? Yeah, I think when I hear him speak, what it really brings me back to is Romans 5, 8, which is one of my favorite scriptures. And it says that God showed us his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And when I got that revelation that Jesus didn't die for me on my best day, but he actually died for me on my worst day, it helps me move out of that works mentality and understand that I can just receive his love versus try to spend my whole life earning it. And it is so liberating and freeing. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Pastor Corey. You've been such a great guest. I would love to have you back here anytime. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a, a pleasure and a blast. All right, awesome. And uh, thanks to our partnering churches, Hope Church with Pastor Jordan Poole, Northridge Church with Pastor Mark Nelson, and Mountain Lake Church with Pastor Chris Emmett. Thank you guys for those inspiring messages. Please keep them coming. And to see there's complete sermons and other great sermons, head over to ambotv.com. We always have great content for you guys there. And you can sign up for our daily newsletter. Do it. What are you waiting for? Thank you for watching. Good night, and I'll see you guys next week.